Good morning. God is good. And this morning we're going to talk about some of those characteristics. We're going to look at how good our God is. Just thinking about Psalm 76, God is worthy to be praised. Now God is to be declared across all the land. He is to be put into your mind. He is to be worshipped. He is to be declared because our God is awesome. That's what Psalm 76 is teaching us. But why is he good? Look at Psalm 146 and verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So you want to be happy in life. Well, God is good and God will allow you to be happy. But you have to allow God to be your God. You see, the Bible says, happy is he who has the God of Jacob. If you don't have God, if you're not worshiping God, if you're not in fellowship with God, if you have not put on Christ in baptism to be united with God in the body of Jesus Christ, which is the church, then how do you have the God of Jacob? And God wants you to be happy. Think about Psalm 119 and verse 68. Look at God's character. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. When we think about the, the, the goal of being good, the, the morality, the standard, the objective standard that we have in our life, what is good? Well, who is God? And we think about that and we think we have to know God to know what is good. So if we think about God's characteristics, what has he shown us that is good? What is it about God that makes him good? Now, you can think about the book of James, where the Bible tells us that all good and perfect gifts come down from the father of lights. So God, in turn, sends down all things from heaven that are good. We have the prophets. We have the fathers. We have the sacrifices of the Old Testament. We have the law of Moses that was guiding people because God is good. He wanted to tell them how to worship and stay in fellowship with him. We had the minor prophets that came to tell us that Jesus was coming. We had John the Baptist who came down from that who is good to teach us about Jesus. And we have Jesus, the Christ, who is good, that came down from the Father above to show us what is good. Now, God is that good that he along the way takes us from Genesis in the garden all the way to the church today. Hand in hand, step by step, word for word, teaching us, showing us that all good gifts come from heaven that are down here with us, telling us, guiding us into what is good. But look at his attributes. Psalm 86 and verse five for you, Lord. So it's directed to the, the father for you, Lord, are good and am ready to forgive. I want you to think about this. Contrast that with Paul in Romans chapter 7. Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am. And if we think about the Apostle Paul and the other apostles, we think those are good people. Those people are living the best Christian life possible. They're preaching to other people. They're um, having converts. They're creating congregations of the Lord's church everywhere they go. Well, then why would he say this? Paul says, oh, the wretched man that I am. 
And he goes through and highlights, I have struggles. I am human. But look at God. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy. So goodness comes from God. The readiness to forgive and forgiveness comes from God. Mercy comes from God in abundance to all those who call upon you. You see, it's the human's job to call upon God where God is so that you can receive the goodness, you can receive forgiveness, you can receive the mercy. You see, God's not going to come to you and tap you on the shoulder and tell you, I'm ready to give you forgiveness, mercy, goodness. No, He's already given it to us in the form of Jesus Christ. Now it's the human's job to accept Jesus and receive those good gifts. Look at Psalm 106 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is worthy to be praised. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. It reminds me of the book of Leviticus and where you'll see over and over, it's telling us, be ye holy. Why should you be holy? It says, be ye holy, for the Lord your God is holy. You need to be like God. I'm going to break that down just a little bit. You think about the New Testament. Peter says that Jesus has left us an example by which we are to live up to. We are to be like Jesus. Why? Because he is holy. Why are we to be like God? Be ye holy because the Lord your God is holy. And that is reason enough. But look what it says. For the Lord, he is good for his mercy. Once you have it, look what it says. It endures forever. That's how loving and patient and kind our Lord is. That's why God is good. When you hear that, God is good because He gives grace and mercy. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In Him, that is Christ. Now, Christ came down from God. Genesis chapter, I mean, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. In due time, Christ was born under the law of a virgin. It was Jesus that came down from God. Now look at what it says in Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In Him, that is in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood. You see, God is so good that He wants to save His creation that He sent Jesus. So in Him, that is in, that is inside Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, Galatians 3 and verse 27, write it down and look at it later. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. That's the word dia, to go through Him. So we're going to be in Him to be able to translate through Him by His blood. Now, what does His blood do? For the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. God is so good and His riches are, are so deep and so vast that the blood that His Son shed for our forgiveness is part of His grace. And Peter would say it like this in Acts chapter 5. Alms I have, money I don't have, gold and silver I don't have. But what I do have is worth more than gold and silver. And then taught the beggar about the blood of Jesus Christ. That's God's grace. 
Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. You see, this is why God's good. In God, there's redemption. Without God, no redemption. With God, there is Jesus. Without God, no Jesus. And that's Second John and verse 9, if you're taking notes. With God, there's forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, there's no blood. Without that, there's no grace. But He's given us that so we can accept it and have the grace. Now, in the mercy, He says, but God who is rich in mercy, so He's abundant in mercy, because of His great love. Why does He have this mercy? Because He loves you. Now, that's going to be a highlight a little bit later. That's why He's extending all this to us. Because He loves us, the great love with which He loved us. Even when we are dead or were dead in trespasses, He loved us enough and He made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Do you know why it it says that? Because by grace you've been saved. What's the grace? Jesus. Who gave the grace? God. What is God? Good. Do you see how that works? Now look at this. Not only are we saved here in Jesus and verse six and raised us up together. He has put us together. He's united us in fellowship by his mercy. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's how good God is. God's riches are so good that his son came to earth, died once for all of us to have a part in that. What about God's character? Look at God's character being good. This is why He's good. Look at Titus 3, 3-7. through 7. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's before Christ. But when the kindness... You see that word? When the kindness and love of God... This is why the children sing the song... Jesus loves me. God loves me. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. You see, God brought His kindness, mercy, and goodness and love to mankind. Not by works of righteousness, which we have have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. So let's look at what Paul is teaching in the text. He says that God is kind, that God loves us, that God loves us so much that He appeared toward us in the form of Jesus, and that God is full of mercy because He saved us. Now, it's through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, That having been justified by His grace, you see how it's all in the same context that God being good? Grace, mercy, forgiveness, goodness. It's always together and abundantly through Jesus Christ as Savior. And what does this do for us? That we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's why God is good, because God gives us hope of eternal life. God is good and He loves us. Look at 1 John 4.16. And when we have known and believed the love that God has for us, 
So once you've known it and believed it, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. God is love because he sent Jesus, the ultimate act of love, that one would lay down their life for their friend, that he would sacrifice his own son for our salvation, for our redemption, for the propitiation of our sins. Now this Jesus, when they mention the word love in the Bible where Jesus and his sacrifice is, it's agape love. That's the kind of love that God loves you unconditionally, whether you accept the gift or not. God is so good that he loves you anyway. Romans 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrate His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what do we do when people are doing bad in our family and so forth? Well, they can handle that business on their own. Right? We've done as much as we could. They're making those decisions. They can just go on and do what they want to do. That's what we, we shut people out. When they're not acting right. Look what God does. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, He sent Christ to die for us. Look at God's love. Look at this. Look at this next couple of slides to see God's love. Here's God's sacrifice. We just went over it. God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us while we're living badly. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, the extent of God's love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that God came to save you and help you and be the offering for your sins. This is unconditional that He sent His Son to save us. You know, my dad used to tell me, my love is unconditional, son, and I will love you no matter what, but there are three things that can break that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you two of them, but I will tell you one. He said, I love you so much that I'll go get you from anywhere you call me, son. I don't care what time, what day, what state, wherever you're at, I will call. You call me and I will go get you. And help you. He said, but if you get put in jail, you help yourself. Right? I've taught you everything in life. You get put in there, you get yourself out. I'm not going to help you in that point. That's earthly. That's earthly people. Look at God. That He loved us that while we were in prison in our sins, He didn't say, you got yourself into this situation. You're a big boy. You get yourself out. I'm not going to help you in that situation. No, God's love is the total opposite. God said, you're in that situation. I love you enough to send my son because I'm good. And I want you to have some of this goodness. What about the scope of God's love? How far does this love go? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the cosmos the creation, everyone in it that He gave His only begotten Son. So the scope of God's love is as far as you can see. Everyone that has ever been created, anyone on any continent on the face of this earth, in the corners, in the streets, in tents, in mansions, anywhere and everywhere. That's the scope of God's love. That He loved the cosmos, that creation, so much 
that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, so now you know that it's um, associated with human beings, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's our God. Our God gives that sacrifice while we're in prison because he knows we can't get ourselves out. And that his scope is so large that it sees everyone and wants to save everyone. It's sad when you talk to people and then they, they say things like, oh, man, I'm living such a bad life. God wouldn't want me in church. You're exactly who he wants in church. And they think, I, I, I need to give up these things first. Let me get my life right first and then I'll, I'll come to church. No, God wants you messed up because he's going to get your life right. You already can't get your life right. That's why you're in the situation that you're in. But His goodness wants to pull you out of that. You see, there's all kinds of examples. Well, if I walked in the church, lightning would strike. Let it strike. There's so many different examples that people use that really keeps them away from the goodness of God, the love of God. Well, I don't want to hear a turn and burn sermon. You haven't heard a sermon in three years. Who are you to talk? You see, there's so many things that, that people want to throw out there because they don't want to be in this scope. But in reality, God says, I see you and I want you. No matter how bad you are or how good you think you are, God wants you to be right. And being right is being in God's goodness. Why? Because the goodness gives us the bond of God's love. Look at this. Wouldn't you want to be in God's goodness? Wouldn't you want to accept the goodness of God, the grace, mercy, hope, everlasting life, to be in Christ, to be bought by His blood? Now, these are all things that we've looked at in this sermon. That's how good God is, that He loves us no matter what. Now, why would you want to be a part of that bond? Look at what the Bible says. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question mark, right? Who's going to do it? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? What's going to do it? Is it famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I want you to think about this for a moment. Once you have God's love and you're faithful and you stay walking that that path that God puts you on, that you have the grace, the mercy, the hope, what's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Here's the answer. Yourself. That's the only thing that can separate you from the love of God. Just like Demas was separated because Paul said he loved the world and has left the church to go back to the world. So when you look at Mark chapter 8, verse 35 and following, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what can you be bought for? So people are people's worst enemy. But you're just like the prodigal son. You're out and about. And God's there waiting for you. Who put the prodigal son out there? Who separated him from that bond? He did. By his own decision. Who brought him back? He did. Who was waiting the whole time? The father. You know what that parable looks like? 
the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. I believe it's 11 times telling you that Father doesn't move. That Father is there to help you. That Father is there to protect you. That Father is there to guide you. And He's there to receive you back no matter how bad you think you were. So who's going to separate you? The problems of the world? No. Look at verse 37. Yet all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You see, once you're saved, once you are with Him and you have access to that grace, that mercy, that kindness, that goodness, there is nothing. All these things, we are more than conquerors. Tribulation, not going to get you. That's the devil. Arguing between you and family, not going to get you. That's the devil. You're supposed to be smarter than that. Distress. We're all distressed. Join the club. Not going to get you. Persecution. So what? My Savior was on the cross and was whooped until His bones were visible. Persecution can't get me. Famine. Jesus went 40 days without eating. I can go a while. Nakedness. I may not like the types of clothes that I have, but I'm going to get what I need. In peril or sword. So be it. What's going to separate you from this goodness? Nothing. Because we're more than conquerors. Look at what it says. Through Him. That's Jesus. You're only a conqueror if you're able to go through Him. If you're in Him. You were taking notes. Galatians 3 and verse 27. Those who were being baptized... Right, are being put into Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says, not what I say. So if you're being put in, you can go through. That's that word dia. John chapter 14, verse 6. No man comes to the Father except through me. How do I go through the individual to access the grace? How do I go through Jesus to get to the Father? You cannot go through someone if you can't get in them first. You can't go around by the back door. You can't go over the fence. You can't. You've got to go through. That's Galatians 3 and verse 27. Those who were being baptized were being put, it's very important, into Jesus Christ. You put into, you can go through. Okay? So that's how you get that bond. Once you're covered with that blood, you have everything of the goodness. You're a conqueror. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principality nor power nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing. Nothing in this world. Look at the bond. Nothing in this world shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how good our God is. Once you have His love and you have His mercy and the kindness, and the grace, and the forgiveness. There is nothing that's going to separate you from God. If you leave, guess what? The prodigal son, you can come back. But if you have hindsight, like Peter says, then there will be a place prepared for you. And you can be faithful. You can be righteous. You can be just. And you can be grateful that God has given His goodness to you through His Son. Look at the great commandment. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You see, that's what God requires. God has already given you 
all the goodness. Here's what God requires for you to adhere to that goodness, to take that goodness. He says, you got to love me. You've got to love me. How? With everything you got. With your heart, with your soul, with your mind. That seems like an unfair trade, doesn't it? From everything that Jesus went through, from what God has done for us, cannot be repaid. And for us to have to do this, it seems unfair. It seems like that's not enough for us to do. But it's what God wants. And if you want to hold on to that grace and mercy and everything, that's what you got to do. You got to love Him with everything you got. Now that looks like a couple things. One of the things it looks like is worshiping Him on Sundays. Worshiping Him on the first day of the week like He commands. Being good to your, your brethren. Look at this one, the new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So you got to love God with everything you got. And the second is likened to itself. You've got to love your neighbor. Listen, here's the conclusion. I could tell you a true thought that if you don't repent and if you don't put on Christ in baptism, I don't feel good for you in the day of judgment. I could give you a turn and burn sermon. You'll burn in hell. This is according to Thessalonians, right? That Paul writes that all those who do not obey the gospel will be met with vengeance and fire and all this damnation because you didn't obey the gospel. I could say that. But aren't we tired of that sometimes? Don't we know that already? And that fear hasn't moved people to be Christians. To say, oh, I don't want to burn, so I'm going to obey the gospel. God doesn't want you for the fear. He wants you for this. Look at Romans 2 and verse 4. Or do you despise the riches? We know the riches. We just talked about them. Goodness, mercy, long-suffering, patience, the blood of Christ, salvation, hope, forgiveness. Or do you despise all those riches that God is giving you? The riches of His goodness, His forbearance, His long-suffering, not knowing. Look what it says. The goodness of God is what really leads you to repentance. Because you see how good He is. You want to go to Him. When I was young, there was this dog. And it was a little rough around the edges. And I grew up on Schaffner Street in Port Lavaca, Texas. And this dog would bark at you and be mean to you. And well, it was, it lived with a pit bull. Now it wasn't a pit bull, but it lived with one. So it thought it was one. And this pit bull, by the way, broke his chain and chased me down on my bike. And I hit a car and flipped on the car and, and, uh, the car wasn't moving. It was parked, right? I'm still here today. So I get on the car. The pit bull's going crazy. This little dog's with him barking, 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 barking. They leave that little dog. They left off the chain. And it would bark and bark and bark. And I said, I'm nice. I just want to pet you. And it's growling and it's looking and it doesn't want to come close. And, and it fake, it like mock charges me and I get nervous and I run away and I, I try to tell him I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, and I started giving him a little bit of food. My mom's leftovers, right? Just give him a little bit. Give him a little bit. You know, it took a while. That dog thought I was bad and didn't want anything to do with me. It thought I was more than likely going to beat him because that's probably what happened to those dogs. 
it couldn't trust me and it didn't want anything to do with me until I was giving him a little bit of a time. Here's a little bit of mercy. Here's a little bit of knowledge. Here's a little bit of showing. And ultimately, the dog came to me and I pet him. And then we had a friendship. But what got that dog to be friends with me? Not me threatening him. I'm going to hit you with this stick if you don't get away. If you don't obey me, I promise I'm going to shock you with the shock collar. Some of y'all have them. My sister has them for her dogs. They're not on the dogs, though. (laughs) They're just sitting on the floor. However, that dog came to me because it was the goodness that it was seeing that said, I'll take part in this. That's what God's saying. God's saying, I'm good. And it's that goodness that leads you to have a better relationship with the God and Father of Jacob. And that's what we need. This morning, I just ask you to take that in consideration. Uh, Believe and remember that God is so good and that we are so blessed to be His children and that we need to share that goodness with everyone else. If anyone has any need of anything, come forward as we stand and as we sing.